Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Marnie Vinge, and this is Irioki. Join me and my friends as we explore the darker side of the Sooner State. Good to be back here with Jeff Provine again, and I'm here with Tammy Wilson, the author, uh, co-author of Ghost Lahoma. Is that correct? Yes. All right, and you guys are going to be talking about haunted Enid. That's right, all over Garfield County. I'm super excited. Anytime Jeff's on the show, he just comes with this wealth of knowledge, and it's really it makes my job really easy. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead, take it away. Cool. Well, uh, I mean. I've been doing ghost tours and stuff down here in Norman, but I grew up on the old family farm outside of Enid. That's right. I so, remember that. Yeah, so I, I've always heard little stories here and there, and there were a few that I really wanted to tell, like the story of um, the Black Beast of Kremlin. Oh my gosh. Okay, which, that sounds right up my alley. Yeah. I, I, often a cryptid story, but like not a cryptid story. Like it's, oh it's a okay. for reals uh, monster. Okay. A giant black panther. Which um, we don't talk about panthers no, much today, um, but yeah, I mean it's uh, just a few decades ago that they were hunted to the point that we don't talk them to them it's today. Crazy. Yeah, I mean I remember my grandfather talking about panthers like mm. don't you know got to come in af- after dark. Cause... I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but I'll tell it again just you know for the heck of it. Um, my great grandfather had a story about a cougar or a panther mm-hmm. um, covering him up with leaves when he stopped to take a nap during a trip home when he was walking and he woke up as she was covering him up with the leaves to come back and get him later. Oh. So I guess she thought he was dead. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> She's hiding her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was going to bring her babies back. I feel like here's dinner. Well, I'm glad she did not That's get That's right. In. That's pretty spooky. <laughs> I would not be here. That's a sound sleeping right there. <laughs> yes. Just let it go. Anyway, um, but I had never heard too much about it. The, the story I remember hearing a lot growing up was the Hillsdale monster story. Ooh. So a little tiny town, Hillsdale has like 100 people. Um, and the story was that there was a, this creature that would come and get you called the Hillsdale monster. And uh, we always made up different descriptions of it. And at one point it had red glowing eyes and all this. And, uh, but generally it was supposed to be about... Uh, five to six feet tall and walked on its back legs has a big thick tail and yeah and once i was sharing the story around as a teenager one time somebody mentioned like yeah you know that was just a kangaroo that escaped from the circus you know oh my god yeah and like they had newspapers and stuff from in the 30s and it was terrifying for somebody who's never been to australia and seen for real yeah so apparently it was out there for years and would just hide down in the creek bottoms and stuff. I believe that. I've heard that there are some kangaroos that are roaming around wild here because of Joe Exotic or like oh, places like that. Yeah. So I could totally see that, like somebody seeing a kangaroo. And there's actually a phenomenon called the phantom kangaroo phenomenon. Hmm. And it's when you see a kangaroo that is in an area that is not native to kangaroos. 
and you it's like people think they're going crazy because they see a kangaroo like well, yeah because it doesn't make any sense exactly whatsoever. they're like what it's did i just see in a wheat field. That's yeah right. yeah exactly yeah. like what was that it's like a ufo <laughs> yes Weird. exactly yeah so i mean i guess that's examples of it there if not the real one but i mean because people would still say they'd see it you know in the 80s but i mean who knows right jerking legs what's and stuff. the lifespan of a kangaroo i, I don't know, know. I don't know. I don't know anything about him. That I'd be, I don't either. Apparently, people went and tried to catch him every once in a while. But, yeah. like, I, I mean, if you see him, he'd just freak you out so much, he'd get away. Mm-hmm. So, Funny. yeah. Uh, but then 1952, they had this Black Panther come down and uh, killed a bunch of livestock. Uh, oh. I couldn't find any people being attracted by it, but they did um, have tons of paw prints. They brought in, like, 5,000 hunters across the nation came over, and they had three airplanes circling the county continuously. Oh, wow. Just all this stuff. That had to be really spooky living there at the time and they're <laughs> yeah, looking for yeah. Yeah. yeah oh. and newspapers interviewed all these farmers who were like, Yeah, we aren't we nobody goes out after dark, everybody's armed all the time. Wow. Like just wild. And yeah. um eventually just moved on. Nobody nobody caught it. Man, so maybe it's but now still they're coming back, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. for the book, uh Tammy pointed this out. Um we had a cougar out on a trail cam just west of the county. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh which uh, read from one of the articles, it's difficult for the wildlife folks to say, oh, this is an actual cougar. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you don't have any reference point, it could just be a really big cat. Right. right? Which right. they have to like check boxes to make sure that they say, yes, this is a cougar. Mm-hmm. Uh, which the flip side of that is people are like, oh, they, they said it wasn't a cougar. And what they said was, we don't know for sure that it's yeah, a cougar. Yeah, can't say yeah. definitively. But if you see the film of it, it's definitely right. not a house cat. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. a big cat of prey. Okay. Yeah. It's big. And this yeah. one. Picture perfect. I had a big porcupine next to it, so you could actually like get uh, angles and understanding okay. what proportions it would be. And like, yeah, that's a cougar. So maybe it's coming back. Yeah, I'd rather it not. But yeah, I've seen. Oh gosh, yeah. And when I was younger, there were reports of a cougar out here, kind of like out closer to kind of around where Toby Heath lives. Like mm-hmm. stories of cougars out there, and I'm like, ooh. I don't know. I don't know. At night, sometimes one time John Edda was over here at night and we were, um, I think we were just hanging out, out by the fire and we started reading all about bear attacks that were happening and like cougars and stuff in California attacking people like running and jogging and doing stuff like that. And then she had to go and I was like putting the fire out and I didn't want to turn my back to the house. I was just so freaked out. Mm -hmm. Well, there's speculation that they might be driven over here from the wildfires. Oh, like over in New Mexico and stuff like that. That, that makes maybe a lot they kind of sense. Of got driven out of their yeah. home and they kind of came this way. So that makes a lot of sense. Him. We could see them again. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, we have the deer population for it mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. It's so many. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, I had these monster stories and a couple of other spooky stories I'd heard around the county. And um, I wanted to like really dig deep with it. So, of course, teamed up with Tammy Wilson. And you've been doing ghost tours in Enid for how long? I don't remember exactly how long, probably close to 20 years. 20 years, wow. It's been a long time. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's, it, I started doing them a long time ago, and then kind of they were kind of off and on for a while, and I've done them for the last several years now. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's called the Erie Enid cool. Ghost Tour. So, yeah. I'll have to come up there and check it out. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, so we had wealth of stories from uh, just around the county that I'd heard, and Tammy's stories, and then we started digging into newspaper archives and interviews, and... Found out all kinds of weird stuff. Oh, like it's so much uh, fun. Yeah, the story of Skeleton Creek, which I had never heard why it's called Skeleton Creek, right? It's, it's a great name for a spooky creek. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, 
So the story goes, in 1863, the Wichita tribe, uh, which had been moved down to Indian territory, uh, didn't want to be part of the Confederacy. So Confederate soldiers rounded them up and marched them up to Kansas. But uh, from among the soldiers, a big diphtheria outbreak. Mm-hmm. And people died so fast they couldn't bury them. So oh, they wow. were just camped out near what is today Enid. And uh, what the few that survived managed to get up to Kansas and uh, then later came back eight, about 1867. But those folks who had died were just left. I mean, the, nobody wow. was well enough to bury them. So for decades, people, cowboys and stuff would come by and they'd see skeletons just laying out bleaching in the sun. Oh, my gosh. Right, oh, that's yeah. so creepy. Yeah. That's creepy. Oh, no wow. idea. So that's why. So uh, when they were going around mapping things, they mm-hmm. would name whatever they could find. And that was, of course, Skeleton Creek because mm-hmm. all the cow- cattlemen coming through, that's right. where they'd see the skeletons. Uh, and then in the days of the cattle, you had um, a couple of ranches, depots and stuff set up. Mm-hmm. And one of the big stopping points was Enid in uh, Government Springs Park, mm-hmm. which to this day, don't go drink the water. It's not good anymore. But oh. it used to be really, really good. And it's also snaky. So, oh, great. It's got lots yeah. of snakes. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> don't, don't swim in it either. Yeah. It's haunted too, but we'll get back to that. All right. Uh, but, snaky and good. <laughs> so they named Skeleton Ranch after Skeleton Creek. Okay. And then when they put the... Uh, rails in, they would name things like Norman. We had Norman's Camp and everything. And mm-hmm. So we had the town of Skeleton on the map, and the railroad guy said, no, we're not doing that. We're, we're oh, gonna, my gosh. We're going to name it Enid after oh my gosh. Tennyson yeah, And, poems. like, no fun. Not nearly as interesting. Not nearly yeah. as interesting. <laughs> so, but better on the tourism. That's true. Yeah. Shades, I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know. I think Skeleton would be a pretty touristy It could place. I mean, definitely today, yeah. be pretty touristy. Okay, yeah. yeah. It could I mean, be like for Salem. Salem. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we can change it back. We'll get the Let's Venus. start a petition. <laughs> Change.org. <laughs> uh, which the, the legend about Enid, I mean, this isn't haunted or anything, mm-hmm. but uh, supposedly it just came out of the um, Tennyson poem and uh, some people's relatives were named Enid and things. But the really? real fun story I like is that uh, somebody at the ranch had set up a little restaurant in the back of his wagon um, and he set up a sign that said dine and somebody came by and flipped it upside down so it said Enid. Oh. So that's where the town name got his I like that. So that's much more fun. Than that's just, way more fun, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's no real definitive answer to that. It's it's kind of, there's camps that say both. So yeah. nobody really knows. Yeah. <laughs> nobody I mean, really knows the real reason. Yeah. yeah. Probably the dull one, but Probably. we can do whatever we want. Yeah, we can, there are no rules here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know there were some weird town names like um, there's a town not far from Enid called Ewood mm-hmm. and it's called that because they originally named it Dewey but they realized there was another town named Dewey with the post oh. office so they just flipped the name around backwards and called it Ewood oh that's funny oh, yeah. so it's like really no real reason other than they yeah. needed to yeah. not have a double oh name so, yeah, yeah Nash so uh, just up across the county line uh, Nash used to be Nashville yep. but all their really? mail kept going to Tennessee so oh. So they just cut the villa off. And, yeah. 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 So sometimes there's really yeah. random reasons for yeah. town names. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's I mean, funny. yeah, especially since part of the land run, right? They settled, I mean, you'd start 100 towns mm-hmm. in one county on a day. And yeah. Then, so. It's like you run out of names after a certain point. Right. Just whatever. Like your creativity is just gone. You're just like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the towns around there are named after people's daughters or something like yeah. that. Like Imo and like it was mm-hmm. named after Imogene, mm-hmm. somebody or another. So. Um, and I know in the back of my head who it was, but anyway, there's like different towns like that, or like just oh yeah, Garbers, Mister Garbers, named okay. after like, people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's interesting how that happens. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so um, ghost stories, I guess. We, yeah, the book, of course, you know, gives lots of context and history to everything, but. Um, and it's the, called Haunted Garfield County, right? Is that? Haunted okay. Garfield, yeah, yeah. Okay. We, um, so we did the Enid stories, which population-wise is where a lot of its okay. focus. But we do get a lot of those cemetery stories, which uh, okay. Imo Cemetery is probably the most, probably internationally famous. Really, the, the legend of the glowing headstone Ooh, at Imo okay. Cemetery. So the story is: you go out there on a, a moonlit night, preferably full moon, and uh, as you walk toward the cemetery, which is old, old cemetery, goes eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties. And uh, as you approach it, one of the headstones will start to glow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you keep going toward it, it'll stop glowing because it, it, it just it wants your attention, but it doesn't want mm-hmm. too much. So people talk about this magic. And as I was doing the research on it, uh, there was no consensus on which headstone it was, like you know, third from the right or something. Like it should be really easy if everybody's right, seeing yeah. this. So, but then a lot of paranormal investigation teams have gone out and like, no, it's, it's, some of them are, some of the headstones are rough and some of them are polished, so they're going to glow. And depending on where you're standing, the different ones are going to catch the moonlight and reflect just from, yeah. yeah. And some of, some people also think it could be tanker, like tanker lights from the oil tankers that are kind Mm -hmm. of pretty far away even, Mm -hmm. but when you're the only thing to catch a reflection for you know, that oh, far, because yeah, there's yeah. nothing else that out there. Sense, yeah. So there's that, too. And that cemetery is all willy-nilly. Like, they don't know where everybody's buried. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so that's fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's um, probably not supernatural there, anyway. But there are all kinds of cool... I we still did have, like, we did yeah. have a We did have a ghost story happen there. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't want to interrupt you. No, go for it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so my paranormal investigation team was actually called Erie, Oklahoma. Really? Uh, oh my gosh. So, um, so we had a group and I know cemetery is not very far from where we live. And I know the, um, the guy that kind of takes care of it cause it's kind of right out in some farmland. And, um, we'd gone out there and wanted just to check out the stories. And we noticed that there had been some, um, tombstones knocked down and stuff like that. So we offered and volunteered to go out and like clean it up and mm-hmm. set the tombstones right and kind of take care of it. And so, to in exchange, to let us come out there and snoop around. So we were out there in the middle of the day, um, it was sunny, and we were out there just kind of picking up trash and stuff. My kids were with me, and uh, one of the girls in our group saw um, what she said looked like an older farm guy in overalls, but there was nothing like below the knees, oh, wow. just kind of standing out there mm-hmm. watching us in the middle of the day. So that oh. was kind of fun. Oh my gosh, that's, so, that's a wonderful story. And that was never story. a story that anybody had heard about that place. Yeah. We all heard about the tombstone and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But she actually saw someone out there was standing off kind of on the edge of the cemetery watching. That gave me yeah. goosebumps. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. that is, that's a good story. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, it's a, it's pr- and it's, a, it's pretty weird. It is weird just because there are uh, more names on the list of people that are buried there than there are tombstones. Mm. So they don't know where everybody is. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then a few years ago, someone wanted their wife buried there, and they had to come really close up. Like the t- the cemetery is kind of set far back from the road, and they came up kind of closer to the front, like under a big tree, and put her there because they weren't really sure where right. to dig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so oh, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Good but. choice. So which uh, not just. Not knowing all the people, uh, somebody's headstone's there, but she was stolen in 1992. Really? Yeah, the caretaker came out, and one of the graves was open, and so called the county commi- uh, county officers to come out and look at it, and somebody had gone out there with shovels and stolen. Took an, they yeah. took the whole body? Yeah, yeah. The Martha M. Fair person. passed away in 1910. And, wow. Uh, there was one bone left. Everything else was all gone. 
How long and after she died was it? I mean, well, that was nine, so that would have been 82 years later. That's, that's so weird. Yeah, it's so weird. Like the because it seems like if they were just trying to like, random or like rob yeah, the grave, right? like that's they would just take strange. they wouldn't take the whole body. Like I don't know yeah. what's the purpose of and doing all that. What did all they that? do with it? Like, no one knows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did they take her it to never came back. I mean, church or the purple church? Probably so. Probably. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, from the articles, the police are like, oh, I, we got no leads. Got so nothing. We, uh, it's a lot of work if you're trying to do, like Halloween was coming up, so they're like, oh, it's probably That's a prank. So but weird. like, nobody would do this much for That's just a big a prank. prank. That's a big prank. Yeah. yeah. And like, nobody. Isn't that like a major felony? Oh, yes. yeah. 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 You can. Like, yeah. Well, that's like big. That's more. That's a big prank. Yeah. Don't that's, steal bodies. Yeah. Don't steal. Don't steal yeah, bodies. Major prank. So, I don't, and I there's don't. no first. witnesses out there for anything. It's like yeah. in the middle of the dark, nowhere. Yeah. So it'd be easy to. Oh, easy. Yeah. Easy peasy oh for my sure. Gosh, that's so. What year was it that she? 1992. Was? Yeah. Oh my I think gosh. they. I think they. Uh, patrol it a little bit more now right, than they used sure. to. I bet, they yeah. did because back then they didn't. Because mm-hmm. people steal a body, out. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's probably why they patrol it. Yeah. Now, yeah. But yeah, that's weird. I didn't know that. They don't want to so, repeat. Yeah, that's wild. That is crazy. That is just like yeah. it's a weird cemetery. Yeah, For as little gosh. as it is, it's mm-hmm. weird. So, I, and the legend weird. is that they made it a cemetery because there was already an Indian burial ground there, which of course okay. there's Every legends of everywhere. Yeah. Right. Which, yeah. Yeah. I mean, historically speaking, we got <laughs> millennia of people here. So, yes. Uh, but one of the teams uh, I was reading articles and interviewing with, uh, they talked about catching EVPs and they couldn't tell what language it was. Whoa. Yeah. And I mean, they were very clear and they were sure that if they could do some research, uh, which now we've got the First Americans Museum, so maybe they yeah, could, could do that. That'd be kind of cool. That would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, Ooh, I have somebody I could ask about that. Yeah. That's really so interesting. Still research to be done. Yeah. yeah. And that was a, an EVP caught at that cemetery? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, kind of toward the back is what they were saying. So, and um, apparently Bigfoot hangs around there a lot. One of the Bigfoot hunters really? I was talking to. Yeah, some of the uh, folks uh, doing EVP research mm-hmm. and stuff would capture images of this big hulking shadowy thing that's with flashing eyes in the woods. Mm-hmm. There are lots of I'm trees like, at the back of yeah. it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, that's where Bigfoot hangs out, which, I mean, is a pretty cool place to hang out. And yeah. I wouldn't be yeah. too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Not so. a bad Bigfoot hangout. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and then cemeteries. I mean, that that's one of the big stories of Enid is the first cemetery, which mm-hmm. are... The town was founded with the land run in 1893, but the first cemetery was in 1897. Okay. So we had four years where um, we had, uh, I guess, the first first cemetery, which mm-hmm. was at the corner of um, Owen K. Garriott and Van Buren. Right? Van Buren. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a schoolhouse plot, so technically it didn't belong to the city. It, didn't, it just belonged to government. Mm-hmm. So they started the cemetery there. Uh, and... There's so much red tape because technically speaking, you had to appeal to the Department of the Interior to mm-hmm. bury somebody there. So a lot of people just like buried people there and didn't tell anyone. Right. So big popper is great. And um, like we were saying with I nobody knows how many people are out there. Mm. Yeah. Man. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's weird. So uh, eventually we did get the, the Enid Cemetery started up 1897 and disinterred the bodies and stuff. But... Uh, who knows who's out there still? Mm-hmm. Uh, which most famous is uh, Outlaw Zip Wyatt. Right? I have never heard that name. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, well, he goes by many names. Nathaniel Ellsworth Wyatt is his official name. He also was called Wild Charlie and Dick Yeager. Okay. So, famous okay, Outlaw Dick, Dick Yeager. Yeager. Yeah. yeah, that sounds familiar. 
So uh, he went by whatever he needed at the time. Yeah. And, uh, like, they need to make a movie about him because he real. was a runaround with uh, the Wyatt guys and some of the other gangs and just liked, I guess, the adventure of it. Mm-hmm. So he was um, out there for almost a year on the run, hiding out in the wow. Gloss Mountains and all around. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, he'd been really messed up in a gunfight and was still going for a couple of weeks, and they found him in a cornfield. And uh, he like had broken both of his arms and couldn't shoot his gun. So oh basically, my gosh. yeah, he was. Just, they were just like, "Yeah, you got me." Yeah. Um, and he asked who they were, and they said, "Oh, we're a posse out of Enid." And mm-hmm. here's the sheriff and everything. He's like, "Oh, thank goodness. If you were," um, uh, he said, "Thank God. If you were marshals, you would have just killed me." <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my gosh. <laughs> so. Uh, so they talk, took him to Enid, and uh, he died, which a lot of people talk about him haunting the courthouse, but the courthouse wasn't built for another 20 years, so okay. probably not. Yeah. Uh, but then again, who's going to tell Dick Yeager where you can haunt or not? Yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah they, everybody, like, they had like 2,000 visitors in the week that he was held in Enid, because every, wow. everywhere he robbed, like, they immediately turned in papers to get him to, and there were like 12 different places trying to get him <laughs> into court, so he was, yeah. he was like... Uh, he was a popular guy. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> But the doctor was like, yeah, you're not going to make it. And, you know, uh, and he's like, well, that's fine. Like, they're just going to hang me anyway. So, yeah. so he was just hanging out and telling people stories. And, like, the, the, the courthouse dog would come and hang out with him. And, like, oh my gosh. people bring baskets of fried chicken. And um, Marquis James, the <laughs> famous uh, Nobel laureate, um, not Nobel laureate, um, uh, Pulitzer winner, mm-hmm. uh, reporter out of Enid. He, he remembered when he was four years old, his mom took him in to go meet. Dick Yeager and really? shook his hand. And, oh my gosh. And Dick Yeager told him that he's now shaking hands with the biggest outlaw in Oklahoma. Oh, I'll bet he <laughs> yeah, did. Which was because he was like 6'3 or something. Yeah. So. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, which, <laughs> that's <laughs> souvenirs. Funny. I mean, yeah. yeah. No, that's, um, that's crazy to think about the people who grew up at a time. Because what year was that? So that would have been, gosh, like 80 or 1890. Um, Five or six. Okay, so that was like, yeah. that. that is just crazy to think about living through that time of like the outlaws and, you know, these people that are coming in and robbing banks and just, I don't know. I've been doing a lot of outlaw research because I'm doing a couple of episodes with Marissa about that and um, it's very fascinating. Yeah, uh, and then he, apparently he's still around, so he dies, and they, go, of course, uh, go bury him, but they don't mark his grave because people are going to steal souvenirs mm-hmm. and stuff. And... Um, when they disinter the bodies, they don't have a marker for him, and they're pretty sure they found his arm and leg, but the rest of him might still be out somewhere. What is now, um, is that Chisholm Park? Champlin Park. Champlin Park, yeah. It's park. Wow, <laughs> so. that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the urban that's legend really cool. is uh, if you're out there in the park, you, sometimes you see this guy wearing like cowboy clothes hanging out. Really? And uh, if you blink, he's gone. Oh, wow. So. Man, that is yeah. cool. Between that and the glowing tombstone slash. The apparition that you guys saw. I'm gonna go. That sounds like yeah, fun. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird because, you know, it's just Enid. Right? Yeah, so yeah. We grew up and do this, but uh, I, I do definitely hold anywhere. As long as you start digging, you'll find some really fascinating and cool stuff. Oh, yeah. So, what's one of your favorites? Um, in Enid, probably one of my favorites is um, probably the Gaslight Theater, but that's a big story. We can save that one for later. Oh, it's huge. And you've got personal um, stuff on that. Yeah, the Gaslight's a big one. We got Uh, plenty of time. Well, 
So the Gaslight Theater is the community theater in Enid, and it was built in the early 20s, and um, this guy named uh, Billings built it, and he um, was, it was going to be one of like the grandest playhouses in the Southwest, and at the time it, it really was very, um, very chic and very beautiful and fancy and all the things, and um, they had something like 2,600 people at their grand opening weekend. And they had indoor ba- bathrooms, which was like a big deal <laughs> in, yeah. a, in a ladies' room. Um, so that was a huge thing. But um, anyway, it was uh, supposed to be a live theater and a vaudeville theater and a movie theater. And so they kind of did a lot of different things. And then, um, so I'm pr- really active in the theater there. And so we've always uh, heard stories about it, you know, being haunted, or we kind of made guesses of what was haunting it and all that. So in research for the book, I started really digging into like the old newspaper articles and stuff and found out like kind of when it was built and all the stuff that was going on. And, um, so a few months after it was built, um, I don't remember which came first. If it, I think he, they started letting somebody else manage it for a while and it kind of changed names and it went through like a fire and a rebuild. But at some point uh, it had just been maybe almost a year or maybe not quite a year. Um, he, the building was sold in a sheriff sale because he couldn't pay his mortgage, oh and his mother bought it. Oh, my god! And so um, she bought it, and then she owned it for years and years, and whoever managed it just paid rent to her. And um, years later, well, I'll tell you a little bit, too, about how it's built. So with the theater, um, so you go in, there's the box office, and then there's a little side theater, and then there's an apartment building above it. And we call it the apartments because it's what it was, and it's where we store all of the props and the um, stuff like that we use on furniture and stuff like that that we use on stage. And nobody likes to go up to the apartment because it's spooky and because people in the box office always hear people upstairs talking that aren't really there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. So um, it turns out um, in the research that we that I was doing for the book, it turned out that um, Mrs. Billings, the mother, actually passed away in the apartment upstairs. Really? And yeah, and we didn't know that for sure. We just we knew the building was haunted and it had all these things. And there's all kinds of theories about why theaters are haunted. But we found out that she really did pass away in the building. Oh my gosh! So that made a lot more sense. Oh <laughs> and my gosh! Especially why the apartment might be spooky. Um, oh my gosh! Oh so wow. yeah, that's fun. So so the so when you walk in, there's where the box office is. Um, Everybody that's ever worked the box office has stories about hearing footsteps upstairs in the apartment, which is right overhead, and people hear people talking up there and things like that. Um, so that is that's a common that's a really common thing that happens there. And then there are just tons and tons of stories about the theater. Um, anybody that spends any amount of time there has a story. Just about even people that say I don't really believe in that stuff has they have a theater story. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, one of them one of the common things that happens is uh, people hear a woman singing mm-hmm. or playing the piano on the stage. We don't have a piano on the stage, mm-hmm. uh, so that's interesting. Yeah. People um, see someone up in the tech booth, which is across from the stage where the lighting and stuff comes down from. Sometimes people feel like they're being watched from the tech booth when there's no one up there. Uh, another time, there's a door. The tech booth is kind of like galley style. It's like a little narrow room, and there's a door at the end of it, and that door just kind of goes into a little storage area, and there's no way to get in there except through that door. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in the tech booth, um, when people are up there working, they hear someone knocking from the other side of that door, Ooh. and that's happened a couple times. Oh, that's <laughs> and, spooky. Um, yeah, the first story that I was told that was by a couple of the guys who were kind of 
not really into frivolous ghost stories at all. And one of them was a kind of curmudgeon guy. And mm-hmm. they they were up there when it happened together, and they heard the knock, and they kind of were looking at each other going, are you going to look? Are you going <laughs> to check that out? Are you going to answer it? And, like, and so they looked, and there, were, there wasn't anything there, but they both heard it. Wow. And then um, a few years later, a couple of the younger people from the theater were up there. One of them was my daughter and another um, kid from the theater, and they were up there working on something, and they heard a knock, and they did not look. Oh, <laughs> they were like, mm. they just were like, we're going to go do something else. Oh, my I don't blame them. So, yeah, they're, they're um, also the costume loft there. It's in a room where there is no air whatsoever, so it's really hot in the summer, and there's no fans or windows or any kind of breeze at all. And there are just racks and racks and racks of clothes down one side, and they also hang up above their hanging racks. And there are, then on the other wall are shelves for shoes and hats and things like that. And one day they went up and turned the light on to go get something out of the costume loft, and there was one dress just swinging back and forth. So they, oh. again, were like, we're just going to come back later. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so oh. things happen at the theater frequently, mm-hmm. like a, a lot. I would say it's probably one of the more haunted places mm-hmm. in town for wow. sure. So going back to something that you said, I'm very interested in this. I wanted to know, what are some of the theories about why theaters are haunted? So um, I think one of the reasons is that there are so many different kinds of personalities that come in and out of a theater. It's like in a community theater mm-hmm. type place, which most of them are. Um, there's so many different personalities and energies that are in and out of there all the time. I think that's one thing. Uh, another thing is with our with ours in particular, and I think a lot of them are this way. Your props and your costumes are often donated when oh, people pass away. Yeah, you get a bunch of dead people stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so makes sense. I mean, you just do. You end up with yeah. a bunch of it, and so um, you never know if that's a reason. Um, then the, another reason that I was kind of given that I thought was really interesting, and this kind of applied to another one of the stories that I will tell later, but. A theater is is what's considered a liminal space, which is a space in between things. And a theater is very much in between real life and not, you know, um, pretend life. So you're like two different worlds at one time kind of merging. And so you kind of got your foot in two different places. I love that. And so that's considered a liminal space where things are just kind of wibbly wobbly Mm -hmm. (laughs) in between, you know, because it's you're there but you're not there you know kind of so there's a lot of different theories about that but I think that is the most fascinating one really I like that yeah and there's like I said there's another story that I think that applies to as well um and actually was talking to there was a lady that was a folklorist that was on my tour one night and so we were kind of talking about how that applies to a couple of the different places um so I think that's a, a valid a pretty valid idea of why theaters could be haunted is just because it's in such a in between space. Oh yeah. yeah. And, um, just makes perfect sense. And so many people like at our theater, um, and probably most theaters, if you're involved, you spend almost more hours there than you do at home. Mm -hmm. And so when people pass away, I think maybe some, maybe they tend to spend time where they liked being. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think in, in our case, some of the different things that happen have been attributed to different people that used to be, be there for real. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people think, Oh, I saw Bob or, Oh, I heard, Todd or oh you know whatever mm-hmm. and um so they kind of attribute the different things to the different personalities that so makes sense. who knows yeah oh that's so cool though so it's, yeah it's interesting I really like that idea and we do have a, a spot on the stage one of the f- stories about the theater is there's a spot that can't ever be lit properly mm-hmm. and they call it the Todd spot after a fellow that used to be at the theater and he passed away and th- 
apparently um, it was during the run of a show, well, it was two weeks before a show opened, mm-hmm. and this particular spot on the stage was kind of where he gravitated a lot, and then he passed away two weeks before the show opened, and they had to find someone else to fill his spot, because, you know, like they say, the show must go on. So they filled his spot, and the show went on, but they said ever since then, they've never been able to light that part of the stage properly. Oh, wow. So that's just kind of Oh, fun. that's a cool story. Yeah, so there's a lot of good stuff that happens at the theater. Yeah, that is cool. So go ahead. Okay. Any any more? I mean, we got a whole we book. Got a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah. 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 Let's go for it. No shortage. Well, building off the um, gaslight, since it used to be in the old Alton Mercantile kind of area. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when I first heard the Alton stories, but um, I think it first came about. I uh, was talking about um, ghost signs, right? So you uh, in old time, you paint on the brick because uh, mm-hmm. you have blank walls so then you buy a billboard mm-hmm. uh, but then later co- people come through and they buy the building with power wash it off and, but mm-hmm. then it bleeds back through because brick is very porous and mm-hmm. stuff uh, so of course that happened a lot in kind of the industrial area northeast of uh, downtown mm-hmm. and especially at the Alton building which Alton used to be huge uh, grocery store manufacturing like mm-hmm. it at one point manufactured 25% of all the uh, brooms in mm-hmm. America 200,000 oh, wow. brooms a year yeah Wow. So who knew, right? Yeah. yeah that's pretty cool. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, it was a major peanut butter manufacturer for yeah. the state early on. All this stuff, um, which is really cool. Uh, so later, of course, after Alton passed away and his son passed away and, uh, and everybody uh, sold the buildings off, they not only power washed it, they painted over it, but the sign still comes through. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I'd never heard of that, but uh, I was talking with, I think it was my mother on that, and she's like, oh, and it's supposed to be haunted, too. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, wow. because the story was uh, before the gaslights where the gaslight is now, it had uh, one of the areas and the legend was that Alton had hanged himself there. Ooh. And so he still showed up. Um, yeah. But that's that's not true, right? It's not true. <laughs> it's not true. So I always heard that story, too. I always heard that it was haunted because he hung himself in the building mm-hmm. because there's a kind of a complex of buildings there. And that whole area used to be part of the Alton Mercantile complex of buildings mm-hmm. or you know stuff because they had a candy factory and they had a, they like you said they made brooms they had all these different distribution areas of all different kinds of things and um so there's a now it's bradford industrial supply and leonardo's children's museum and um then there's a whole, another little complex of buildings to the east of that but that one cluster of buildings kind of all used to go together and there were stories that came from Leonardo's, and there were stories that came from where the gaslight was, which is right the annex to Leonardo's now. And there are stories that came from Bradford Industrial Supply. And so kind of putting it all together, it I found out later that, well, it was because it was all part of the same thing it went before. And um, the story was that Mr. Alton had hung himself there, and that was just always what everybody thought. Well, it turns out he actually um, shot himself in the head at his house on West Broadway, which is down down the roadways and so he didn't um, actually die in the buildings he died at home mm-hmm. but um, that's not to say he doesn't still hang out right because right, the yeah. the ghost the sightings have been of a man in like a white butcher's coat like a grocer's coat mm-hmm. um, so that is very valid that yeah you know it's oh, wow. conceivable that it could still be him hanging out there definitely yeah. dark hair yeah. uh, which I mean just this past spring I went to Leonardo's to do uh, do a little workshop on comics with the kids mm-hmm. And uh, they have a skeleton in the back that's mm-hmm. all. 
uh, in a grocer's coat and everything. I was oh, like, oh, that's cute. Mr. Alton. I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys have heard the ghost story? And they're like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, so we got to tell a little bit of Enid history there with um, oh, that's Mr. Cool. I mean, he's all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. I've seen him yeah. um, always with the dark hair and very mm-hmm. uh, good-looking dude, which um, Marcos James, we talked about earlier, he had a whole chapter about him. Because mm-hmm. uh, Sam Alton was the father who'd come in and had a bunch of money and invested very well. And then his son, uh, Harry, was the one who shot himself, mm-hmm. which um, what Marcos James had written was that um, Harry had married um, Miss Elizabeth Fleming, the mm-hmm. the number one bachelorette in Enid okay. Oakland. She was, she was the banker's daughter. She was gorgeous. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, everybody, like, he wanted to marry her, even though he was, like, eight at the time. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Uh, but this guy married her, and then she passed away uh, shortly afterward. But he remarried, and, like, um, nobody really knows why he, he had killed himself? Like, yeah. No, they yeah. never figured it yeah. out. He had a meeting with the banker and um, his attorney one evening when his wife and son were out of town, and they were talking about finances, and he was kind of worried about some stuff, I guess, and then about 30 minutes after they left, they received notification that he had killed himself, uh-huh. and they couldn't figure out why because they thought they had a meeting scheduled for the next day, and they thought everything was fine, yeah. and they started looking into everything, and they realized his, his assets far outweighed his liabilities and that he was, like, financially fine. So they, but it's also speculated that he was in poor health and that maybe he just kind of had gotten sick of it and that maybe that was part of it, but they don't really know the reason. Oh, wow. He just shot himself in the head. Yeah, it was a newspaper. There was a Mm -hmm. really interesting newspaper story about it. Okay. That is cool. That is interesting. But he still shows up to work all all the time. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. It's it's great reading back through the newspapers and interviewing folks at every era of the Mm -hmm. building. Like people are like, oh yeah, we've seen him. That's cool. So. That is really cool. Yeah, and one of the ladies of Leonardo's was telling me she'd seen him too in the back. Yeah, there are a lot of stories from mm-hmm. the Leonardo's folks. Really? They hear the freight elevator sometimes. They have things go missing that show back up and oh, wow. different things. Yeah, Ooh, like, spooky. <laughs> yeah, I like one of the stories uh, one of the uh, directors was telling about um, her file folders would go, mm-hmm. and like she needs those for grants and presentations and stuff mm-hmm. and so whenever something went missing she said mr alton i need it back yeah and then it would be right there in the middle of her desk oh my I'm gosh like, oh wow that's cool i don't know why he needed it in the first place but yeah yeah so not a bad guy at all yeah Just, i guess still hard to take at work place. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it doesn't seem to be scary to anybody just mm-hmm. there yeah 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 another one of my favorite enid stories uh we mentioned government springs park mm-hmm. uh, which uh I didn't realize how big of a deal it was, but Enid's first business was water bottling. Somebody Really? Uh, somebody's family made the land run, and their teenage son, who wasn't old enough to qualify for a land run, uh, started his business of bottling the mineral water, which was pretty famous. Um, I mean, not only from the cattlemen coming through, and that's their watering spot, but uh, lots of miraculous healing stuff, kind of like mm-hmm. um, down near Lawton in... Medicine Park? Medicine Park, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking so, of Mineral Wells, Texas, mm-hmm. but kind of something. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, same thing. There's mm-hmm. these spots that have really good water and, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be miraculous and so forth because they probably have a lot of stuff that your body needs that you're not yeah. getting, like iodine or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, so they first started bottling it, then the Enid Sanitarium grew up out of that and was a big hospital for a while and eventually uh, traded off and became St. Mary's Hospital. Okay. Still right there next to the park. Um, oh, that's cool. And... One of the big ghost stories I've heard about it was uh, this lady in white who's walking around 
apparently now the snake-filled pond. I always <laughs> remember it being full of goose poop, and it was just awful. Yeah. Because uh, apparently I used to swim and stuff out there, and now I'm like, I cannot imagine. There used to be a little, I feel like there used to, when I was, maybe when I was a kid, or maybe it might have been before that, but there used to be a swimming pool there. Mm-hmm. Like a little swimming pool. Yeah. Um, and then there was the other swimming pool up at the top, mm-hmm. which was when it was segregated. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I think it was one of the Simpson brothers was telling me about swimming out there. And Probably. So it was cold because they would just pipe in the straight mineral water oh, into wow. the, the swimming yeah. pools, and, um, which I guess would be good for you if you mm-hmm. like cold swimming. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and the legend is that she's the mother of uh, the kid who passed away um, drowned there okay. uh, back in the 60s. Uh, but doing the research for the book, she actually passed away in like 2012 or something. So mm-hmm. not going to be her. Yeah. Uh, but looking back through the old uh, photos from the historical society, like there's all kinds of ladies wear dressed in white going out to the park because that's what she did since mm-hmm. nobody had Netflix or anything. Like, just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go hang out. Yeah. Uh, but the story of Robert Lee Owens, um, the, the hero of Government Springs Park. So January, there's a big freeze. And a couple of eight, nine-year-olds, they mm. were, he and his buddy were um, going to go to the top side of the park where African-Americans were allowed. Mm. Uh, and they decided to go ice skating across the uh, pond since it was all frozen over. Uh, but I learned this through reading it. If something's frozen over, the ice uh, starts at the edge and moves toward the middle, which sounds weird because I always think of ice cubes being mm. flipped, but that's not how it naturally happens. So as they got to the middle, then fell through um oh gosh so which is why uh, i i guess people used to ice skate on ponds but they'd have the little stamps out like don't swim over here just swim by the banks yeah so or go skating by the banks and Mm -hmm. stuff um so it was actually his friend that fell in Mm -hmm. and neither of them could swim uh and like i guess just knee-jerk reaction dove him after him oh wow yeah like just oh um, yeah um I don't know if I would have done it, but I hope I would do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Dovin, uh, he managed to lift him out onto the ice, but by that point, like, he was too, it was close for waterlogged. I mean, he's wearing coats and stuff. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so he gets pulled down, and uh, all this commotion eventually. Uh, they have uh, a guy from Vance Air Force Base who was just out there okay. walking and happened to hear him and came over and managed to rescue uh, the younger one, but mm-hmm. Robert Lee Owens was dead by that point. And okay. So, um so there's a really nice memorial marker out there and lots of newspaper articles and um, the Carnegie Foundation like gave a big award and a grant to his mother and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And, uh, and supposedly he's still out there, people. People oh, say wow. that if you get near the water, you'll feel this kind of push getting you away from it. Oh, my gosh. Push, which, oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, kind of a good, good thing. I think it's just the goose yeah. stuff. <laughs> like, just don't get anywhere near it. There are lots of natural reactions around there for yeah. sure. Yeah, it is... Um, my grandma always used to warn me about the geese when I was a kid because they had a farm and the geese would always be out there. And she was like, those geese, they'll flog you. <laughs> That's what she would say. That's real. <laughs> they for sure will. We do theater in the park there every mm-hmm. summer, and we always have to fight with the geese. <laughs> oh, my they gosh. They just trot right through sometimes. Oof. I bet that's a show in and it's, of itself. It, it is. They're fun. <laughs> They're a lot of fun. There's some out here right now that have some babies that are really, really cute. But yeah, but they make a lot of goose poop. Yeah, it's <laughs> unbelievable. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have time for a couple more, or one more, or however many you want to do. Um, which one? What do you want to do next? Uh, I definitely want to talk about Black Bear Church and Cemetery. That's okay. one of my favorite stories. 
So I'll tell you the other um, the other one about the other liminal space. That's one of my favorite okay. stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's called Dead Man's Cave, and it's kind of got it's kind of a two parter. So the the first part of it is so back in the eighties, I want to say it was nineteen eighty six ish. I was about thirteen, and there was a girl from my middle school that went missing, and so that was really scary because Enid's not that big, fifty thousand people. Yeah. So somebody, this a teenage girl, went missing, and she was a year older than me. And my mom was a mail carrier at the time, and she had come home one day, and I, I don't remember. It seemed like it was cold out, and she came home and she said, hey, "Do you know this girl?" And she asked me her name, and I said, "Well, I don't really know her. I know who she is. It's like she's a year older than me, and we have the same lunch period, you know." So I know, I know who she is, but we, you know, we're, we're not friends. I don't really know her that well. And so she said, well, she's missing. So if you hear anything, you know, please let me know. And I was like, of course. So, cause someone had asked her while she was out on a route, they were like, have you seen this girl, you know? And so she comes home and asks me about it. So that was really scary because that somebody went missing. Mm-hmm. And so everybody was kind of on alert, you know? And then, um, several days later, her body turned up in this ditch at third and Oak and it turned out a little while. So then about a week later, so then not only was she missing, she was found murdered. So then it was really scary because yeah. then we were like, oh, my gosh, there are murderers on the loose. Yeah. And this was the mid-'80s when it was the a big, you know, there was the whole satanic panic thing happening, mm-hmm. <laughs> for yeah. one thing. And then also uh, we were latchkey kids. You know, everybody was, like, on their own a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, you walked everywhere. You rode your bike everywhere. Your mom and dad get home at 5 or 6 o'clock, you know. And when, so when school got out, you are kind of on your own till, right. till then. Yeah. <laughs> and then even after... After that, you know, your rules were just be home by the time the street lights come on. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have cell phones. We were we just kind of ran wild, you know, for the most part mm-hmm. and without a lot of supervision. And so um, it was really kind of scary because we were like, oh, my gosh, you know, we were out, you know, on our bikes alone or walking a lot. And so everybody was kind of, you know, really paying attention to their surroundings. And um, so several days after her body was discovered, there were some boys that actually made a confession that they had murdered her. And so it turned out to be a couple of boys from our middle school and another older friend of theirs. And I want to say the older boy was like 16, maybe 16 or 17. And so they were all very young. They were like 14, 15, 17, something like that. And um, two of the two younger ones were brothers. And there had been some kind of a love triangle as much as you can have in, you know, the eighth grade. (laughs) So um, there had been kind of something going on with all that. And the older boy had devised a plan and he told the oldest brother, he said, listen, you know, I want I want you to come over to my house and, you know, have her on the couch like you guys are going to watch TV. And then I'm going to like pop up over the back of the couch and I'm going to break her neck. And I want, you know, you you to like bait her there. And so I don't know why in the world he goes along with it, but he's like, sure, okay. So they uh, show up. So they're sitting there on the couch, and they're watching TV, and he's going to go along with the plan. And the older boy pops up behind the couch and goes to break her neck, but it doesn't work. And so, well, then what are you going to do? Because now she's, she obviously knows you're doing something, you know, like you're, she's on to you. And so um, it didn't work. So then they ended up stabbing her to death, these like weird homemade martial arts tools that they had devised and they stabbed her and um murdered her and then they wrapped her in a tarp or a tent and put her in the garage so a few days later the younger brother is over there and they're like hey you know we want to show you something and they take him out to the garage and they show him the the body of this girl and they ask him to help them take take her you know go dump her somewhere so they go down the road and borrow a neighbor's wagon 
like a little red wagon. Oh, wow. And they load her up in this wagon, and they cart her down to the ditch in the middle of the day and dump her in there. Wow. And completely undetected. Wow. And so they dump her body in the ditch. So they, anyway, they end up confessing, and they all end up going to trial and whatnot. And um, I believe now only the oldest one that kind of devised the whole plan is still in prison, and the other two are out. Mm-hmm. Um, the youngest boy was charged with being an accessory, and he was a juvenile, and the other two were charged as adults. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the other brother got out, like, he's been out for like 20 years now, mm-hmm. and the other one that is still in prison, because mm-hmm. I look every now and then. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. But, oh, um, no. so, yeah, so that, so they dumped her body there. So, uh, and I remember when all that went down, because I was, you know, about the same age, and like I said, everybody was kind of heightened alert about, you know, stuff. And so um, that one was pretty close to home because it was my school and all that kind of stuff. And um, anyway, later on down the road, years and years later, years later, and I'm starting to do paranormal research stuff, and this guy gets a hold of me, and he says, hey, do you know the story about Dead Man's Cave? And I was like, I don't know if I know that one. And he said, well, it's over there on the corner of 3rd and Oak. And I'm like, oh, yeah, where that, you know, where they found the girl's body. And I always try to be real sensitive about that because – people still remember it and you know her friends still live there and things like that and so um I try you know try to be sensitive about it and um he said no he goes well yeah that's where it is but that's not the same story I was like I don't know what I don't know what other story there is then and he's and so he says well he goes I'm gonna tell you this story and then I'll tell you another one and so he was telling me that he had a friend that she and she and one of her friends were in her car and they were driving down that road and they came to that stop sign at the intersection there and her car died which that's not crazy I mean it happens sometimes and um her car died and so she kind of gets out and she pops the hood and she hears a voice say wait a minute and she looks up and she sees this apparition of this girl walking across the street and then um she's kind of freaking out a little bit about it and then she hears this voice say it's okay now and she just gets back in her car and she starts right back up Oh, wow. And so, and I've heard that story from a couple of different people. So he told me that one, and then somebody else told me that they had a similar experience Mm -hmm. there. So so it was interesting to me to remember when the actual event happened. Now it's kind of come full circle to now there's sightings there of, you know, apparitions, which, of a girl, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. So I think that's kind of interesting. But he said, but the other story about this is, so in Enid, we have these huge um, storm drains. So... A lot of the intersections, a lot of the streets have storm drains that go under them. And they were tall enough that you could go walk through. And when I was a kid, and way before that, probably way back into the 50s and 60s, because my dad would talk about it and all those older guys would talk about they that's what they would do in the summers is they would go spend their days exploring the under the city in these storm drains like tunnels because in the summer they would be dried out Mm -hmm. and they were just these big tunnels and you Mm -hmm. could go all the way from one end of town to the other through the storm drains so it was but now they have them barred off we can't really do that but back back when i was a kid you could and um so it wasn't unusual. In fact, on my tour, I always ask people who did it and everybody. All, it's always boys. Always yeah. boys. And the girls don't do that yeah. stuff because it's dumb. So <laughs> we're like, no, we're not doing that. But it's always guys. They, and they all go, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've all done it. So um, it wasn't, it's not unusual. It wasn't a weird thing to be doing. So these kids are probably 12 or 13 or so. And they uh, ride their bikes down there. And they park their bikes there along the kind of the side of the ditch. Because it's a big storm, di- like a ditch. And then it goes into the tunnel. 
And so they parked their bikes there and they go walking into the tunnel. And he said, um, you know, we're walking along and he said, sometimes there were other people down there and it really wasn't that big of a deal because they were doing the same thing you were doing. He said every now and then, you know, you might bump into somebody unsavory or whatever, but not usually, it's usually kids. So he said they're, they're getting a ways down and he said, you get a little ways down in there and there's a 90 degree turn. He said, so we were getting ready to come up on that corner to turn, and we heard footsteps coming from the other side. So we kind of were hanging back and seeing who, who it was, you know, and didn't really think much about it. And he said, so we hear these footsteps around the corner, but we don't see anything. We just hear footsteps, but they're not, they don't belong to anything. He said, so that kind of was weird. And then we, when we got closer to it, we realized there was a big black mass with these red eyes, and like nothing below the knee area and these footsteps were still moving, started moving towards them. So they apparently, you know, got scared. It was a terrifying sight to see. So they uh, turn around and they start running out of the cave and back out to the entrance. And as they're running, the footsteps are running after them and it gets faster and faster and is chasing them out the, out the drain. And so they go running out the drain and they scramble up the hill to get their bicycles and they turn back around and they see this black mass with these red eyes standing right inside the entrance, just looking at them. Oh my gosh. And so, yeah, super scary. And so he's telling me this story and I'm like, this sounds crazy ridiculous i was like this is the dumbest thing i've ever heard and i was like whatever and so i kind of wrote it off and i was like well that's really scary and i didn't really think very much about it and so whenever i would do my tour i would tell the story about the girl and all that and then i would say and by the way there's this other story and so uh one night i was doing my tour a few years ago and these i had these three high school boys and they start whispering wildly to each other and i'm like what you know what what are you guys talking about and they go we've seen that and i said you have not and they were like no we really have and i thought whatever they're yanking my braids and so i thought okay and um i was like okay and they're like no really we really did and i was like sure okay so then a little bit later was, i don't know if it was the same summer it feels like it all happened kind of in the same summer um a few weeks later i'm doing it and i tell the story and i say and these boys claim that they've seen it and then this guy that's probably in his 40s like my age he kind of very timidly raises his hand and he goes, I've seen it too. I was like, are you serious? Oh and for, to me, that was more, I don't know. Not right, that those right. boys weren't credible, but right. I thought they were kind of messing with me. Right. But yeah. he was like, he didn't want to admit it. You know, he was like, yeah, I've kind of seen that too. Yeah. And I was like, for real? And he's like, yeah, no kidding. And then, and so now I've had like three or four different like grown men tell me, oh, that's um, yeah, so we've creepy. seen that too. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going down. Yeah, there. no kidding. I'm not checking that one out. No, no. <laughs> There's, me it's either. so funny because I'll go all kinds of haunted places, <laughs> yeah. but I ain't going in that ditch. Yeah, no. For any reason. No. Oh, <laughs> so anyway, I'm always telling people like, you're free to go look, and there are nobody, <laughs> no, no takers yet. Yeah. But um, so I don't know what is hanging out down there, but I always thought that was kind of a fascinating oh, story. That is. That is. Man's cave. And that's yeah. so cool that you got to be so like up close to hearing the stories of that like like catching the different people telling you about the same story that yeah that's cool and I love that that's part of my favorite part of this the historical part of it Mm -hmm. is the when the stories cooperate with each other with when you hear the ghost story and you don't know the history Mm -hmm. then you go back and you find the history and it kind of makes sense Mm -hmm. or you start hearing stories from all these different people and then when you you find the root cause of it it's like oh well that makes a lot Mm -hmm. of sense yeah (laughs) um so that's interesting but that's the other place I was talking about that is kind of what could be a liminal space Mm -hmm. but for a different reason so the lady that was the folklorist on my tour one night she was asking me she said what are the ages of the people that have seen this thing in the in the drainage ditch and I was like well they're all probably teenage boys or high school boys you know because once they get out of high school and move on they don't really do that anymore because they've got moved on 
And so she was explaining how those in-between ages, like tweens, and in-between being high school and grown up are liminal spaces because you're in-between Oh my gosh. Times. Yeah. You're in between times. You're in between being a child and a grown up. Yeah. And so you're still in that liminal space, Mm -hmm. which is a liminal space of a different kind Mm -hmm. because it's time and not place. But it's, that's, I think that's fascinating too. That is fascinating. Why certain ages maybe see things that we don't see. And there's, you know, that's why they talk about how kids sometimes, and kids and animals Mm -hmm. see things that we don't see because we're conditioned to not Mm -hmm. believe it's real anymore. But Mm -hmm. when you're not conditioned, you you see different things. Yeah. But anyway, I thought that was interesting, That too. is fascinating. Yeah. Oh, those are great stories. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Do you have one more, Jeff? Uh, one more to finish. Okay, which, yeah. I guess, kind of bringing it fully a circle, which, uh, I mean, I'm always listening for Oklahoma ghost stories and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, every ghost story. Uh, and one that kept coming up was a spooky story about Black, uh, Black Bear Church. Okay. So, which, I mean, uh, Purple Church, I mean, there's lots of mm-hmm. spooky stories and things. And uh, I just kind of filed it away. And then one time I was driving out east on 412, just coming home. Uh, coming back to Norman from the farm and I passed Black Bear Creek. And I'm like, wait a minute, I know that. <laughs> and so the spooky, spooky story I've been hearing all the time was like two miles away from where I'd driven for decades. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just crazy to think, you know, what right next door that you don't know oh, about. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the story of Black Bear Creek and Cemetery. Um, so the church uh, was, you know, country church, uh, started in the 20s or 30s and uh, closed up in probably the 50s or 60s. They, mm-hmm. they weren't quite sure when it did. And because, um, you know, people are moving out, it's no, no spooky things. But then with the whole satanic panic people moving in, like, oh, it's it's a church. And um, lots of different people like different versions, whether mm-hmm. uh, the legend started first or people actually went out and did something first. But now uh, don't go out there because it's trespassing, it's private property. Mm-hmm. So you can look at it from the road if you want to. Mm-hmm. And you should because it's still a really cool building like the blonde brick that they built it with really sturdy mm-hmm. and most of it's still standing but the roof's completely gone like okay. just, just completely vanished and there's all this rubble and stuff it's, mm-hmm. it's a really cool oh, that ruin cool. from just a hundred years ago yeah. yeah so you can go get some pictures um but for the people who get permission to go out there you can go inside and it's covered with spray paint and all kinds of tagging and uh swear words and stuff and then you go down to the basement and that's where the spooky stuff is the, oh like this big spray painted uh swirl that, that says um gateway to hell on it oh gosh. and yeah and all kinds of satanic symbols and, and so forth around and um, definitely spooky yeah, i didn't yeah. go in the basement so okay did you I, go in the basement i didn't go in the basement oh. i didn't get permission to go out there so all my pictures are from the road um I don't think I really wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, one of the paranormal investigation teams I was uh, reading about, they talked about one of their guys uh, got kicked out of the basement, like not wow. um, shoved or something, poked oh. or something, but like six feet flying back, had bruises all over him. And wow. Yeah, just oh, nasty that's crazy. stuff. It's creepy. So before um, it was really patrolled a lot, mm-hmm. and it's kind of open. I mean, it's, there's, there are not fences or signs mm-hmm. or anything. Mm-hmm. At the time, there weren't because... I always try to obey all those, but yeah, there, um, several years ago we went out to find it cause we'd always heard about it, but we didn't know where it was and we finally figured out where it was. So we went out in the middle of the day just to kind of scout it out. And I had my kids with me and, um, we pull up and we find it and we get out and I am not, I am not, um, any kind of psychic at all, but we get out and I immediately, and I don't really buy into the satanic panic stuff a lot either. I think it's kind of corny and I'm sure people did the, some of the things they say that, I mean, some of the mm-hmm. going out and partying at the church or whatever, but yeah. I don't know that I buy all the scary stuff about mm-hmm. it. But, um, so I didn't even have that on my mind at all, 
But when we got there, and like I said, I've been lots and lots of haunted places, and most of them don't don't really bother me. Sometimes you have a feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we get there, and uh, I get out, and I start getting closer to the building, and I was like, I do not want my kids anywhere near this. I just got a feeling like I I told him I said stay in the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we kind of walked around a little bit. The basement was spooky. I wouldn't go down there. <laughs> um, it still had a roof on it when we were there. It's been okay. it's been a while, and my kids are grown now. But um, I just felt like didn't want them. I didn't want anything. I didn't want them near it. Yeah. Because it just had a foreboding, weird feeling about it mm-hmm. that I didn't really like. And I don't get that feeling at a lot of the places I go. Mm-hmm. Um, a few places every now and then. But And I don't know what it is about that place because it's a very unassuming looking, like you said, just old church. Mm-hmm. And to me, it didn't seem spooky to me in the middle of the daylight, mm-hmm. you know. But there was just a funk about it yeah. that I didn't like. Yeah. So I get that. I didn't spend a lot of time there. I yeah. get that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which, I mean, a lot of it's explainable. One guy was telling me about he and his buddies went out there, and they were exploring at night, and they started hearing this thunk, 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 like somebody hitting the outside wall, and they're like, we got to get out of here, and he's like, but, but I don't want to see what it is, and he's like, I'm going to go check it out. So we went around the corner, and this armadillo was just scratching its side <laughs> up against the... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Means, yeah, pretty yeah. spooky when you yeah. hyped yourself up. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you could scare uh, yourself to death, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah, but a lot of other people say, well, you know, they... they People got out there and were messing around with stuff they shouldn't have and mm. invited something in. And okay. Uh, but the cool thing is, conversely, like right across the dirt road there uh, is Black Bear Cemetery, mm. um, which it's is a, awesome. It's, it's, it's immaculate. It's a cemetery. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And um, it's super friendly. Like it has mm. like a really good vibe for cemeteries. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like um, totally you know, different. very it's peaceful. Totally opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a That's lot of, interesting. Yeah. So uh, if you want to go paranormal investigating, go out there sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the EVPs are like really encouraging and just like happy stuff. <laughs> it's like and very like, positive ghosts. And don't go across the road. Like several okay. of them are like, don't go over there. There are bad things there mm. and all this. Oh, wow. Yeah. But it, it's wow. just such a friendly place. There's even a, a, one of the tombstones in the back is uh, dedicated to the unknown cowboy. Okay. So somebody just riding through yeah. didn't make it and didn't have any idea on them. Cool. So, but they still took care of him. That's cool. Yeah. So real neighborly. Oh yeah. my gosh. Well, wow, I learned so much about Ina that I had no idea about. Like, that was really, really cool. Those were awesome stories. Yeah, we didn't even yeah. scratch the surface. That's oh, right. We got gosh. a whole bunch well, more Well, i got to get out. the book. Yeah. i got to get the book when it comes out. Um, so is there anything you guys want to say about the book or where people can find it? Yeah, Haunted Garfield County. You'll find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, and we'll be doing lots of um, readings and signings and stuff all through. Definitely share those in the Facebook group mm-hmm. when that happens. So, yeah. Yeah. August 22nd comes out. Okay. That sounds good. Well, I appreciate you guys being here so much. This has been so much fun for me. Like I always get to learn a lot and it was so nice to meet you, Tammy. You too. Thanks so, um, you're welcome. Um, and you guys follow me on Facebook and on Instagram at Yurioki. Um, send me a message at podcast at gmail.com. If you've got a spooky story that you want to tell, I've, I'm putting together another, um, listener stories episode. So, Put your feelers out. (laughs) But yeah, um, I think that's about it. Y'all stay spooky.